Hi, everybody. Welcome. Thank you for inviting us into your home, whether this is Sunday or some other day of the week. It is good to be able to share with you. We're continuing on in our series from the book of Proverbs. And today we're looking at a passage of scripture from Proverbs chapter 23. I think Confucius was right when he said, by three methods, we may learn wisdom. First, by reflection, which is the noblest. Second, by imitation, which is the easiest. And third, by experience, which is the bitterest. Scripture wants us to learn wisdom, both through imitation, by imitating Jesus, and also by reflection, by studying the Word of God and understanding the wisdom literature. And so that's what we'll be doing. Our text is Proverbs chapter 23, verse 17 to 19. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. Listen, my son, and be wise, and set your heart on the right path. Let's pray. So, Father, thank you for wisdom literature, for this proverb from the book of Proverbs. And Lord, I pray that you would help us. Help us, Lord, with our desires. Help us to fear the Lord. Help us not to envy sinners. Help us not to be attracted to things that are harmful to us. But rather, Lord, I pray that you would help us, that we would discern your will for us, and that our wills would come in line with your will, and that we would have control over the desires of our hearts, so that we would not only uh, be free from uh, living lives which are destructive, but that we would be living lives that are pleasing to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Listen to the way that Eugene Peterson translates this passage in uh, The Message. Don't for a minute envy careless rebels. Soak yourself in the fear of God. That's where your future lies. Then you won't be left with an armload of nothing. Oh, listen, dear child, become wise. Point your life in the right direction. I like that expression. Don't be left with an armload of nothing. Have you ever picked up a whole bunch of stuff in your arms and had them full? Uh, my dad used to call it a lazy man's load. You know, and you don't want to make too many trips, and so you just overload yourself with stuff. And then you start walking somewhere, and all of a sudden, one thing starts to slip. And then you go to grab it, and you, you end up going like this, and everything falls out of your arms, and you ended up with an armload of nothing. Your, your, your trip has been wasted. You've lost everything that you had in your arms. And I, and I love that 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 image that uh, Eugene Peterson here is using for those who would envy careless rebels, the, the uh, uh, sinners of this world, uh, those who would be attracted to that kind of life. In, in the end, you end up with nothing, and uh, that's not God's will for our lives. So in order not to be left with an armload of nothing, we're told not to envy sinners. That's uh, the first part of verse 17, and uh, Eugene Peterson calls sinners careless rebels. The sinful world can be attractive if your desires are not focused on Jesus and his kingdom. But Hebrews chapter 12 cautions us that this would not be the case if we fixed our eyes on Jesus instead of careless rebels, instead of sinners. So it says, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. 
So sin is what is hurtful to us and to others and is offensive to God. So sin, according to the Bible, is, are those things which are harmful to us and others and offensive to God. And the reason that sin is offensive to God, it's not because God is squeamish or it's not that God is afraid of sin. It's that God knows that uh, sin is harmful things that we do. And it would be very similar to saying, uh, you know what, I, I really am offended and want to uh, stop things from hurting my children, whether it's a mosquito or a bully, uh, they're offensive to me, and I want to stop anything that's harmful to my children. And that's the same way God views sin. Uh, he views sin as being offensive, not because it offends his sensibilities or because he's prudish, but rather he sees sin as being hurtful to his good creation, and he wants it to stop. Mark chapter 7, verse 20 to 23, Jesus is talking about sin, and he describes some sinful activities this way. He says, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Well, why envy any of these things? Why envy sinners? After all, sin is really not attractive when you take time to think about it, what is attractive about sexual immorality? It destroys families. It destroys life. What's attractive about theft or murder or adultery or coveting or wickedness or deceit or sensuality or envy or slander or pride or foolishness? None of these things are attractive. So why would people want them? Why would people envy those who practice these things, which are, are really quite ugly and quite destructive, harmful in biblical terms, sinful in biblical terms. If we would just take time to think, if we would just take time to reflect, then we would realize that some of those things that we desire, some of those things that we see in others that, that perhaps we're envious of, are not attractive at all. In fact, they're quite destructive. But you see, when our desire which is our impulse toward an activity. When our desire is focused on a harmful activity, which the Bible calls sin, when our impulse toward an activity is attracted towards something which is harmful, that's when we get in trouble. If we think that all desires are good, we are already in trouble. You know, I, I like ice cream. You say, I desire ice cream. But when I think about it, I realize that that desire needs to be brought in check. I can't eat ice cream every time I want ice cream to eat it. I can't have as much as I want because I recognize that it's harmful to me. So my will needs to control my desire because too much ice cream is not good for you. In fact, I heard once that Haagen-Dazs is Swedish for heart attack. That's really not true. I also heard that Ikea was a Swedish swear word. That's really not true either. But you, you get what I mean. Uh, we just can't follow our desires. This is Satan's primary tactic. Listen, to make us believe that all desires are good. Just because you have a desire, it does not mean that is necessarily good for you or that you should follow it. Now, our culture has totally bought into this lie and it's incredibly destructive to think that simply because you desire something, 
you need to do it in order to be fulfilled. In order to find joy, you need to fulfill your desires. How incredibly destructive that is. This is where addictions lie. This is where people get themselves in huge troubles. Our will must direct our desires. Our wills are intended to be a gatekeeper or a filter for our desires. So our will says, yeah, I feel that. I recognize that inclination. I recognize that impulse to do this or to do that. But let me think about it. Is this what is God's best for me? Is this what is really good for me or is this harmful? And when our wills begin to filter our desires, we find then that we filter out those things which are destructive to us and we choose those things which are truly good for us. You see, when we place our will under God's authority, we then direct our desires to line up with God's desires which is to avoid harm to us and to others. This is what it means to fear the Lord. We fear the Lord when we choose to allow God's will to be reflected in our will, and then we use our will then to bring control over our desires. The contrast in our text is between envying sinners and fearing the Lord, putting our will under the Lord's will and then directing our desires. The motivation for this is found in verses 18 and 19. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. Listen, my son, and be wise, and set your heart on the right path. The future belongs to the righteous, is what it's saying. Your hope will not be cut off. In other words, do you want to go somewhere? Do you want to do something lasting? Do you want to make a difference in this world? Don't envy sinners. Instead, fear the Lord. Put your will under his will. Check your desires. Your desires like a filter or like a gatekeeper of of the things that are attractive to you so that then you know what is good and what's best in your life and what you should avoid. Then it says you won't be left with an armload of nothing. You know, it's really foolish to envy sinners they end up with nothing. Instead, our text is telling us to look up to the Lord, to his will, and to look forward to the future. The future belongs to the righteous. It's the righteous who end up with an armful of something, of good things. Bring your desires under the will of the Lord. Don't for a moment believe that all desires are good or that they are beyond your control. This is God's will for us, that we would check our desires, not envy sinners, but rather have a future and a hope. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word to us. Thank you that you are challenging us to review, to filter, to to use our wills as a gatekeeper to our desires, and not just to, to think that because we want something or we're attracted to something, that it immediately means it's good for us and that we should pursue it. Help us, Lord, to to have that check in our hearts that that lines up our will with your will, because, Lord, we know that you desire good things for us, and you desire for us not to be harmed. Lord, I pray that we would take a moment to pause and to think, to reflect, that we would learn to imitate Jesus. 
In your name we pray. Amen. Let's continue to worship the Lord, and then I'll come back with a concluding comment. Romans 12, verse 2 says that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Only then can we test and approve what God's will is, transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can test and approve what God's will is. Our desires will rule us until we yield ourselves to Jesus, until we yield our wills to Jesus. Earlier in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, it says that we are presented to present our bodies as living sacrifices. And that the tense of the original language means that we are to continue to present. This is not a, a one and done kind of thing. Oh yeah, I did that when I was, I, when I was a kid. I, I gave myself to the Lord. This is a continuous ongoing activity, a continuous reflection. Uh, today, Lord, have I yielded my will to you? And what this scripture is promising in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, is that if we do continue to yield ourselves to the Lord, our minds will be renewed. In other words, our will will come under the will of God. And this is the key to controlling our desires. And this is the key to have future and a hope. Keep doing that. Keep yielding yourselves to Jesus Christ and his will for your life. This is the best way to live. This is wisdom. God bless you. The passage of scripture from Romans chapter 11 that we've been using as a doxology says this. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. The Lord bless you. Have a great week.